Well, welcome to Holy Days. Uh, I'm Apostle Freddie, and I'm here with uh, Pastor Sean, and we uh, want to come to you today with a podcast to uh, talk about the Holy Days uh, and the things happening in Israel. Brother Sean. Well, today we're going to start out with a parasha Shemot. Now, this is about the book of Exodus, and the original name is Sefer Yitzvraya Mitzrayim. Now, that means it's the book, the going out of Egypt. But these days, they just stick to the uh, way they say it, and it's uh, Shemot, and it just means names. So it's the book of names, and in, he, uh, in the Greek, they call it Exit or Exodus, and that's where we get Exodus from. The book of Exodus. All right. What we want to do, we want to kind of follow a Jewish calendar uh, of what... Uh, would be the readings each week uh, there in Israel for, with the Jewish culture, with the rabbis, and will follow their teaching. Now, I'm not a, uh, a scholar of any means at all, especially when it comes to Greek, Hebrew, or any of that. So that's why we have Sean, and he's done some uh, uh, in-depth studies and teaching, and so uh, it's something we want to bring to you. We think it will enrich your, your Christian walk to understand. Uh, and what we want to do is tie in New Testament with uh, what's going on with the Old Testament. And we're going to do the best we can on that. But uh, uh, let's just open with a word of prayer today uh, before we get started into the Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and share and study your Word. We ask you to guide us in all truth. Lead us, Lord Father God. Lord, be with us, uh, equip us, Lord Father God, that uh, we would not lead your people astray, but we would teach them your word. So bless Sean today and myself as we begin to teach. Bless those that are hearing today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the children of Israel were prosperous in Egypt, and they were doing well. And the book starts out, uh, it says all the names of those that went in. So it was about 70 people. Mm-hmm. And for 336 years, during that time, they were not slaves. They were actually prospering, part of the nation. Things were going well. It's kind of like imagining Jews in some of the uh, diaspora where they went out. And most of their nations, they've, they've done well. And then, you know, sometimes someone else comes to power. So the time frame that the children of Israel was in Egypt, was 400 years. Mm -hmm. And many times we say they were in bondage 400 years, but you're saying that they were actually slaves only the last uh, 80 uh, or 70 some years? Uh, 86 years. 86 years. Mm -hmm. So that first part, they were, they were prosperous and, and uh, they were prosperous and part of the nation. And it was, they were, you could say that they were integrating into the nation, probably too much. God made a promise to Abraham to, have their own as their own nation, their own people, and be uh, spread out as a multitude among the nations. Right. So, in a way, to honor his promise to Abraham, some of the events here had to happen. Okay. So, but it was eighty-six years that they started to become uh, the slaves. Now it happened gradually. You know, a new king arose that did not know Joseph, and if you study your history in Egypt, it could mean a couple different things. It could mean it was either uh, Ramses or the other guy. So 
the other guy, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name yet, but okay. we'll go into it later. And I'll, I'll explain the couple different uh, theories that everyone has on who it could be. But what it is, is it could be a new king that came in who conquered the last one. And they didn't know Joseph at all. That is a possibility. But for the sake of it, uh, most of them just agree to go ahead and say that he chose not to know anything about Joseph. Or in, in Moses, mm -hmm. too, when we get into it. Yeah. yeah. So Pharaoh, the word, if you break it apart in Hebrew and you got pay ra, it means evil mouth. So if you're thinking about someone uh, having an evil mouth. Oh, so that's a new name we can call something. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. You know, when you're looking at that throughout history and so many people have been pharaohs towards the Jewish people and kicking them out of countries and everything else. But all this was to spread so that God could spread the gospel and spread them around the world, the sons of uh, Yaakov. But uh, approximately around three million Jews were in Egypt at this point. That's what they approximate. So they went from 70 to 3 million in yeah. that short amount of time. In 336 years, or 66, 400 yeah. years total. Yeah. So, so around that time, that's what they estimate. So Pharaoh, he comes in, he sees all this going on, and he's like, this is a problem. These people are the problem. So he's afraid that they will either breed too fast and outnumber the Egyptians, or they could just say, hey, I'm going to side with the enemy. And if it was the other Pharaoh that wasn't Ramses, that means Southern Egypt was a part of the uh, natural order of Egypt. And they were the kings that came in and the Hebrews could have very well side with them. Okay. Just like that. So it, it's a possibility. Now, in verses 11 and 12, the Egyptians afflicted the Israelites more. They decided to, you know, go ahead and enslave them, and they started inflicting them. And as they did that, they grew more and more, more and more babies, and he's trying to afflict them to stop it, and it's just becoming a greater problem. So he decides to, you know, tell the midwives, mm -hmm. board all the male children, and the midwives, uh, back then they used to have a chair. They'd have it cut out in the center and the midwives could watch from underneath and see how the baby was coming along when they were pregnant. So their saying was, hey, the baby's coming too fast. We can't get to it in time. And Pharaoh, even though he may or may not have believed this, he didn't have enough midwives to go around. So he would have had to have taken them at their word and decided to go with another direction. And that direction was throw all the male babies into the Nile. Mm. So at this point, you know, he starts throwing them into the Nile. And he and his troops later on end up in a watery grave. It's a correlation there. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting there uh, to see how what. You know, and we see this, that the curse you place on others sometimes comes back to you also. Absolutely. And we, we're going to see that, you know, later with uh, Pharaoh or Ramsey, I believe, later on with and with Moses. But uh, very interesting. So this begins the story of Moses. His father and mother were from the tribe of Levi. 
And so his parents are Amram and Yaakovit. Now to make, they decided to make a small ark. They didn't want their baby sacrificed. She had prayed according to the Jewish commentaries and stayed faithful into unto God. So they, she prayed for a deliverer and she believed there was something special about this baby when she saw it. And so they put it into this little basket ark and they put it on the river and Miriam, his sister, watched it go down the river to see what would happen. Now, the Nile had crocodiles and all sorts of things. It, it has throughout time. They've mm -hmm. always been there. So she's watching and then out comes Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter. Mm -hmm. And she, her name is Thermutus, according to the Antiquities Book 2, Chapter 10 in Josephus. So we think we know her name as far as I'll go on that. But her compassion, she sees the baby, it's crying. She she draws it out of the water. And that name is important because that gives the Egyptian name that she chose to give to Moses. And that was Monias, I believe. I don't speak Egyptian. Mm -hmm. But in Hebrew, it's Moshe. Mm -hmm. Now, the Egyptian uh, princess saw that he began to cry. And then up comes Miriam. She just happened to be nearby. And says, hey, you know, I know someone who can nurse this for you. And so Moses's family ends up getting the baby back. She agrees, pays them wages to raise the kid so she can take it after he becomes three years old. Yeah. Now, one of the things I, I just wanted to say on the name, which name is, is it the name Moses or the Egyptian name that means drawn out or he was drawn out of the Nile? Both. Both? Both. Okay. Mm -hmm. In Hebrew, it means the same thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we just want to, I know I've been taught that all the time and, and just want to make that kind of clear with people. We'll go into a little bit more of uh, the individual meanings because there is a little bit more to his name in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And there's more to the names that they've called him. But we'll do that in a little bit later lesson because okay. each person who saw him actually called him by a different name, including his own father. So I didn't bring that into this lesson. Right. We'll, we'll do it at a later time. So Josephus says he became a general in the Egyptian army. You know, he was raised in it and apparently married the king of the Ethiopia's daughter after he won a victory over there in Ethiopia. Now, we don't know that for sure, but Josephus wrote it at the time. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Now, the question's asked sometimes. You know, what made Moses change from his Egyptian upbringing? And did he always know he was a Hebrew? Well, if we look in two Hebrews, 11.25, it says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. So he knew who he was. He knew he was a Hebrew, and he decided to go down and be among them and work with them instead of being the son of a princess. He refused to be called by her name. Hmm. So it's it's an interesting thing that he knew, and he went out and did that. So yeah. instead of a life of luxury, he looked to the reward. And we see that in throughout Scripture with different ones. And, you know, this would be a natural thing also because being nursed by his own mother, uh, the Hebrew people, he became compassionate uh, to them uh, throughout his growing up. 
So that could be the reasoning or part of the reason why he wanted to be among those people. It felt more, you have that connection. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Moses, he one day he sees an Egyptian beating a fellow Hebrew. So he overreacts, kills the guy, and knows he's in trouble. Because later on, uh, one of the Hebrews says, what are you going to do? Kill me like you killed the You're Egyptian. Right. Exactly so what he said. He flees, and when Pharaoh finds out about all of this, he decides to put an execution order out on him. So Moses can't return. At this point, he flees and heads out, and he runs into a group of young ladies trying to get water for their animals, and a group of shepherds are trying to fight them for the well. He comes in to the rescue, and the it was uh, Jethro's daughters. Mm-hmm. So they go home and tell him all about it. They didn't bring him home with them. <laughs> so he tells them to go back and he ends up working with Jethro and he marries his daughter Zipporah. Now, Moses was around 40 years old when he fled from Egypt, but he stayed there another 40 years oh. after that. So he meets up and Jethro is called a priest of Midian. Now, he apparently knew the God of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We find that out in some other passages. I'm not going to get into a real deep dive into that. Our lesson will take way too long. Mm -hmm. But he's now around the age of 80. And those who sought to kill him, they're gone, including that Pharaoh that was over and put out that execution order. But Pharaoh's son or whoever took over after that, depending on which genealogy we're looking at. Um, so Moses at this point is out there in the, uh, wandering around Mount Sinai, probably herding some sheep and he sees a bush that is on fire, but it's not being consumed. So instead of turning and running away, instead of being afraid, he decides to turn and look just like when the disciples were on the sea and Jesus was walking by on the waters storms going everywhere. And instead of just watching him walk by, which the Bible says he would have just kept walking. That's what it says. They called out to him and he came and got into the boat. So Moses here is your first correlation of this. He decides to turn and take a look. You know, this has to be, and you know, when you read this in chapter three of Exodus, this has to be an amazing moment. Uh, this. Uh, even um, when he sees this, I'm wondering, did Moses have that sense that this was God at the time or just just uh, a curiosity at first that he went to the bush? Well, well, Does our teaching give us any indication? Not really, but he knows something's going on because mm-hmm. he's like, what a sight. Right. You know, he's like, it's, it's being burned, but it's not being consumed. I have to take a closer look at this. Mm-hmm. And that says good as translation as they possibly give us in that moment. Okay. But as he's approaching, the spirit of God says, stop, do not approach, take off your sandals where you're standing is holy ground. So he follows that. And this practice continued for the Levitical priesthood for some many years, because anytime in the temple, they didn't have their shoes on because they thought they would honor this passage. 
And they considered that if they were walking around the temple and anything came in between their feet and the temple grounds, their reverence with God was my service that day is invalid. Mm. I have to go get cleaned. I have to wash and I'll come back. So they didn't allow that sort of thing just to honor what God had done with Moses here. Okay. Now Moses uh, gets the instruction from God to, that he's going to use him and go back and free his Israelite brethren. But he's going to send him to Pharaoh and Pharaoh is not going to listen. But before all this happens, God and Moses have a conversation. And he, Moses says, if I go to the Israelites and tell them the God of your fathers sent me to you, and they ask, what is your name? What will I say? God says in our translation, I am that I am. He is the self-existent one. No one created him. That's what he's saying in that moment. But in the Hebrew, it's Eliyah Asher Eliyah. And its meaning is, I shall be that I shall be. And it's found, uh, the Yudhe Vavhe, Deuteronomicon, that is found in the Bible 6,828 times. Now, that's not in our translation, but in uh, any translation that has that symbol, it's in there. That group of lettering as the name of God. Uh, and interestingly enough, in the Hebrew, Je uh, Jesus' name, Yeshua, means uh, Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. Mm -hmm. What well, would be Yudhe Vavhe? Yeah. Saves. And, but at this point, God warns that Pharaoh's heart will be hardened. God will do great wonders in Egypt, and they will depart with great wealth. In silver and gold and in clothing, God gives three signs to Moses to show to Pharaoh. Uh, he put his hand in his, his pocket, pulled it out, and it was leprous, mm -hmm. put it back in, and it was no longer leprous. His staff became a snake, some say a cobra, mm -hmm. which is relevant later. We'll get to it. And then uh, if you put the staff into the water, it becomes blood. These are the three signs that he gave Moses to show to Pharaoh. Now, Moses, at this point, this is where Moses slips up a little bit. <laughs> he says, how can I do this? Uh, I'm, a, I'm slow of speech, which is odd because he was raised in the Egyptian. He was taught how to speak. He was taught by everyone how to speak. And you could say, well, maybe he was a stutterer. But in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, Stephen's addressing the Sanhedrin, which is the elders of Israel. Uh -huh. And he says, so Moses was trained in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in word and in deed. So some of your Jewish rabbis and a lot of the commentators and a lot of your Messianic Jews say that he must have just pretended like he didn't know the language as well anymore, which he had been gone from there for 40 years. For 40 years in, in the wilderness taking care of the, the sheep. So. Mm -hmm. And I might be a little bit nervous, too, if I saw a burning bush that started talking to me. So. <laughs> so. Uh, after the bush and after the signs of Pharaoh, uh, he has these uh, uh, three things the Lord told him to do. Mm -hmm. and, and that was the, the first was the water, the staff. Mm -hmm. 
uh, turned into a cobra, or that wasn't the first one, but uh, that was one of them. And then it, uh, the staff turned the blood, the water to blood. And uh, and what was the other one there that we just uh, spoke? Uh, kind of lost my place, too. Staff to the blood uh, of the leprous hand. The leprous hand. So these these were signs. So now he's before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh refuses, you know, his heart is hardened. So God hardens his heart. So, you know, it seems like God told Moses to do something, was gonna, but was going to make it difficult mm-hmm. on him. So why, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, God wanted to show himself mighty. He wanted to show off that he was indeed God because Pharaoh and the courts of Egypt all had all sorts of gods. And every one of these gods, the, the, the plagues, the 10 plagues that we're going to get into in a later lesson. And from the cobra on his staff to many of the things that the water turned into blood, all these things are in the face of their particular gods that they had. And God is saying, they're not God. I am. Mm-hmm. So there comes back that I am again. Okay, and we'll get into that as we go further into the next sets of lessons. So, uh, but in chapter four, verses twenty-two through twenty-three, God calls Israel His son and His firstborn. So Pharaoh is warned right off the bat when they get there that if he does not release God's firstborn, that's the way it puts it, mm-hmm. then he will take Pharaoh's firstborn. So he was warned up front, and he was told about this. And and this is before we actually get into even the first encounter with Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's coming up here in a few verses. So, you know, it's it's a sometimes we study the Word of God, and uh, we we study about the ten plagues, and sometimes we think that all of things that are happening is just spontaneous, just kind of jumping up. We didn't know nothing about it. But here, and like you said, in verse uh, uh, 22 and 23, 24 there, uh, that uh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And, you know, and many times, even at this, again this year, as I'm reading the Bible through from beginning to end, uh, there's things that jump out at you. You know, people always ask, why do you study and read the Bible over and over how many times? Because it comes alive each time. Mm-hmm. You grow more. And even this passage, this here, I don't know that that has something that has really jumped out at me until we started talking here uh, on this subject. So it's interesting. So we, we see in the end, mm-hmm. this is the beginning. We see in the end that this is the very thing that plays upon Pharaoh. Yes, exactly. Um, I skipped ahead a little bit, but I'm going to go back just a little bit. Before he left, the Lord tells Aaron to go and meet with Moses. That's mm-hmm. verses uh, 27. So he went and met Moses at the mountain of God. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up, sometimes we get a word for someone. Sometimes we know we got to go tell someone something or warn someone of something. But we're not too sure if about the time. And, you know, sometimes God will send them right to you. Mm-hmm. And it happens uh, sometimes. I just pray about it. And then the next thing I know, they come across my path. And it's one way to know if you're really meant to give a word, because if that happens, you might as well go ahead and obey. Mm. But in verses 28 through 31, Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had told him. 
and they met with the Israelites, and the Israelites believed, and then bowed to the ground, which is a sign of being humble uh, to, to God. So, in chapter five, Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and says, "Thus says the Lord God, the God of Israel, release my, says, release my people, so they may hold a pilgrim feast to me in the desert." Now Pharaoh responds, "Who is the Lord?" That I should obey him. Imagine going to Washington, saying to the president, you know, uh, I need all these people that are here in the chamber. They're my people, says God, and we got to go celebrate a feast. Mm. And what's the president going to say? Who's your God? What are you talking about? So this is one of the reasons that Pharaoh does that. And and remember, he didn't know Joseph. Didn't know anything about him is what it says. Mm. So. Why do you cause this people to refrain from their work? Return to your labor. That's one of the things he said. The objective of Pharaoh, we'll get into this a little bit deeper as this time goes on. And in the next parasha of Ira, we'll get into it. But the objective of Pharaoh was not to outright kill the Israelites. That was the ultimate objective, to get rid of them, because they blamed them for it all. But it started out, you know, it was patriotic to do certain things. It was. It was like, kind of like Hitler. That's where a lot of this went, because it starts small, mm-hmm. and that's the way that an evil mouth starts. Well, I don't believe this about them. Well, they are prosperous, and they're stealing from us. That's how this started. They became enemy number one just because they had the wealth in Egypt. So this is how it began to happen with the Israelites. Everything always starts and gradually goes along. And it's well, something to be aware of in, in our time today. Yeah, very because true. They're gradually taking freedoms. They're gradually taking things, you know. Well, you know, they always say that if you tell a lie long enough, it becomes a truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, or that's what they at least try to, to say it enough and enough and enough. And they then they begin to speak it as a truth and trying to mislead. And uh, so we, we do have that today and it's uh uh there is uh today most believe that our whole uh nation our society is trying to be uh brainwashed uh to believe to believe the lies to uh to believe the negative and uh that's why we're in such a fight uh even today uh just like they were back in this day it's kind of like imagining you know you got to think about all the nations around the world that have abortion mm-hmm are none of the nations that we read about in these end-time events where they're in control of things. So I'm not going to go into naming nations, but many of these nations, you'll notice, they don't have abortion, but all the rest of them do. So it's kind of an axis of power moment. And, you know, get these nations to dwindle while we rise up on these other nations. And if you can take a, pay attention to those that, allow abortion and those that don't, it's very interesting what you see lining up across the world on a grand scale. Wow. But we'll, we'll, we'll go on. I got off topic there a little bit. Pharaoh gives the order that they are no longer to have straw to make bricks. Now, uh, but the quota wasn't changed. Now, the straw, uh, it helped thicken it. It helped dry faster. And it acted kind of like rebar, wood, and concrete. Hmm. But th- 
weren't allowed to have it. So they had to go out and get stubble and other things, and it took them longer, and it became like an impossible task to achieve. Like, how were we supposed to do this? And interestingly enough, the 12th dynasty in Egypt, there is wooden models found in tombs and paintings of people making bricks. Mm. So it's kind of just something kind of interesting. But they made the work harder in verse 9. Yeah. In verse 12 through 14, they had to collect the stubble. And then they went to Pharaoh and they're like, you know, you're sending out these men. They're beating us for not meeting our quota. And it's actually the fault of your men because we don't have straw, you know. And Pharaoh replies, you are slackers. That is why you are saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. So now get back to work. Yeah. You will not be given straw, but you will still produce your quota of bricks. You know, it's taking everything they need. And it was, it was Franco's bricks. He would seem like he didn't want the best quality, mm -hmm. but by taking this is lessening the quality of bricks, but it was more of the authority and the punishment and what he was trying to, uh, uh, put upon the people. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, we can see that today's society. Oh, yeah. Uh, they take away the means to make, but don't want, they want us still to achieve. So be very difficult. And it was very difficult on them too. Mm -hmm. And in this time. So the same thing happened to me at a job. And, you know, they, they brought in a corporate lady and this lady decided that she wanted to get rid of me mm -hmm. because certain things. I won't get into it too much, but let's just say it wasn't unknown where I stood on certain values. And because I was a Christian and some of these other things, they decided, well, let's just make it impossible for him. So they didn't expect me to stay at work till four o'clock in the morning. And they didn't expect whenever they were trying to act like they were going to fire me, that seven people would show up to help me. And when they did, they were all looking around like, I can't believe this just happened. And it backfired, but they tried to make it impossible for me, and but we got the job done. You know, we even today, many people suffer persecution just trying to be a Christian uh, in your workplace. Uh, but I think our lesson, if we understand that we must press forward mm -hmm. every day, uh, we keep going forward, we keep relying upon the Lord. The Lord will strengthen. The Lord will deliver. And that's what this whole exodus, this whole is a deliverance of God's people. Uh, so really, as we read through the hardships, uh, many people can relate in their own workplace. Oh, yeah. And uh, so that's that's another we want to bring together that no matter what you're going through. And and the it's a reminder. That's why they read these mm -hmm. scriptures over and over that God is always there. He w is that deliverer. So uh, Pharaoh was doing everything he could to persecute, but God was still working. And imagine being Moses in this moment. Because now, once Pharaoh says that, Moses and Aaron are just walking around and guess who they happen to run into? The very people that Pharaoh just said that to, the foreman. And so now they go up to them and say, you've just made our life more miserable. And it would have been better if you never showed up. But they knew they were sent by God. Now, here's the thing. Moses, instead of saying, I'm just going to take this calmly. I know God has a plan. No, he runs straight to God and says, you know, Lord, why have you caused this trouble with 
for these people. Why'd you do this to me? Why did you even send me? That's what he says. Even though God warned him up front. And the people doing their Mm flip-flop because we read at the end of chapter four, uh, they accepted, they believed, and they were, let's go forward, you know. But one of the things got a little heated, a little tough Mm -hmm. in the midst of the the thing. Then they, they, look what you did to us now. Mm -hmm. Imagine that in your life. I know know this is getting to some because it's when God tells you to do something, do you not expect there to be resistance? You know, and you brought up Moses uh, crying out to God. Uh, how many times we do that? How many times does God uh, give us a task or tell us to do something, go someplace, uh, go on a mission trip? And uh, then we just sit back. Okay, God told me to go, so he's going to give me the finances to do this. He's going to open it up. But God expects us to, to trust him, but work for it mm-hmm. sometimes. Sometimes we got to do some extra to get that. And so uh, Moses gets the instruction from God, go say Pharaoh, let my people go. But he, God told him, I'm going to harden his heart. Mm-hmm. So Moses should have been prepared or expecting, but here we seem like, you know what, you know, look what you're doing, God. When, once the stress hits, yeah. it's imagine, it, it, it's, it's how we react to it. Mm-hmm. And, but he did the right thing in turning to God. Yes. Uh, so God uh, responds to him, you know, and lets him know from the time that I went to speak to Pharaoh in your name. This is Moses still talking to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has caused trouble for this people, and you've certainly not rescued them. So for doing what the Lord had told him to do, everyone suffered but Pharaoh. <laughs> Have you ever done what God told you to do, and it caused nothing but pain? <laughs> Don't quit keep going. So Proverbs uh, verse uh, chapter three, verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's that part, your own understanding. If this was really God, then everything would be hand delivered to me. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. You know, sometimes God's working on you. And if he's working on you, character or other things, he's building your faith. So it's important not to just give up and walk away the moment the fight comes. But in chapter six, uh, verse one, then the Lord spoke to Moses. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh for, um, for compelled by my strong hand, he will release them. And by my strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. So he's letting him know I've got this. Hmm. So this is things are about to change. They're doing a turn here. Uh, it's exciting days when things you we we know beginning of 2023 uh, we feel a sense of things are going to turn. So uh, everybody's looking right now, Sean, that it's going to be a better year. But as we get into our teaching, you're going to see, even though it now, it, even though God uses the word, now you shall see. But it's still going to take take a while. It's mm-hmm. still going to take some trials. So uh, that is another thing we have to be patient for uh, in our walk with Christ today. God may uh, give us a, a word to a prophet. Uh, uh, now God's going to do this. Now this is going to happen. Uh, now this is a new year, a new time, uh, and we we expect things. All right, it's completely changed. But then it's processing. Mm-hmm. It takes a process. 
uh, and it takes a, a walk, trust in God and a walk in faith. And so I believe that's what we're getting ready to get into here. So two things I would take out of this lesson. Number one, when it gets rough and things are going on, bring your issues to God like Moses did. Mm -hmm. Go and cry out to God and let him speak to you because that will guide you in your next set of steps. We're always going to face a trial when we're doing what God tells us to do. And he always said we'd have persecution in this life. Mm -hmm. If he had persecution, so will we. And the other thing is, we're going to take a saying out of the uh, Jewish people, and it's no Lashon Hurrah, which means no evil speak. Pharaoh had an evil mouth, but we're not meant to. So if you have a problem at a job with people or other things going on, family, whatever the issue is, it's not a time to have that evil mouth. Don't be a Pharaoh. Yeah. No evil speak, especially when they're a brother or a sister in Christ. You know, you, that's not, it's unbecoming of our behavior as children of God. You know, our mouth is the mouthpiece of God, the word of God says. We're not meant to do those things. There's power, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. So, you know, it's just, it's just being good to one another in the midst of sometimes our greatest trials. You know, <clears throat> I just want to speak to, to our listeners today. Uh, I know many of us have trials and struggles, and I'll just take a sidestep. We'll come back to Sean here. Uh, we have trials and struggles, and no matter, uh, you know, if it's if if it's me, if it's my toe hurting, it's the greatest pain there is. Uh, so sometimes our persecution, uh, one, we're not compassionate toward one another. We we say, well, that's nothing. You, we first thing we want to do, let me tell you what I've been through. Uh, uh, I just want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, no matter uh, if it's just minor persecution or if it's severe uh, or what's going on, uh, what you're struggling with today, uh, trust God, uh, call out to God and uh, put things over into his hands because we really can't work it out ourselves anyway. So. Uh, we need to learn to trust God and put it over into his hands and just uh, uh, don't give up and hold the tongue. Uh, Amen. Uh, hold the tongue uh, because, uh, the, you know, the tongue burns more bridges than uh, absolutely than anything. Uh, and you don't want to burn bridges. Uh, you want to love people because of, sometimes the very people that you get so angry with today later in life that as God changes your life, as you uh, grow in him, then God will maybe send you back to those same people to pray for them, to, uh, to, to witness to them or something. So Amen. Uh, be encouraged and uh, trust God and just keep praying out uh, and trusting him for the things he's doing. So, <coughs> Apostle, we're going to be going towards uh, through the book of Exodus, and we're going to go through all the way through the first five books this year. And we're going to be talking about all of these things. Now, the lesson, next lesson is Parsha Varera, and it means I appeared. So we'll get into that next week. But for now, we're going to say goodbye. So, Gadol Elohai, Shalom. Great is our God. God bless you.